Spoiler alert, this podcast will cover events in the most recent aired episode of Game of Thrones on HBO. If you have not seen that episode yet, you may wish to avoid this podcast until you have. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy. Dedicated to HBO's Game of Thrones and George R.R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire book series, you're listening to Podcast Winterfell. your host, Matt Murdoch. Hey there and welcome to Podcast Winterfell. It's episode 299 of the podcast, only one away from our 300th episode, which actually we probably will have recorded before you hear this particular podcast. But I thank you if you participated in our 300th episode. You'll hear that next week. In the meantime, my name is Matt Murdoch. And I am from podcastwinterfell.com. That's where you can find all of the back episodes of the podcast. You can find contact links, social media links, such as podcastwinterfell at gmail.com or at winterfellpod on Twitter or 314-669-1840 as the listener line that you can call in and leave a voicemail to. We also have, of course, uh, information about contests. We have all of the information about whatever the podcast is up to next there at podcastwinterfell.com. We also have links to podcast apps. And if you're listening to this through whatever podcast app, I would love it if you would take the time to leave me a written review on whatever app that is so that I can stay more noticeable among the 14 billion Game of Thrones podcasts that are out there and because it helps me know what you like and dislike about the show. And when you hear the 300th episode, you will hear an updated list of the people who have recently left written reviews. I won't uh, have it right now because I'm pre-recording this episode before the 300th episode is recorded, but next week we'll have an updated list, and if you've left me a review recently, you will be thanked in the first section of that podcast. Before we start, I'm going to just give a little reminder that we are talking about Jamie Lannister. I know we were off for a week. Thanks for helping me out with that. And uh, we're going back into Jamie Lannister. This podcast is entitled An Honorable Man? Question mark. And the reason that we're putting it in that kind of context is simply because there are things about Jamie's code that make him honorable. There are things about Jamie's code that make him dishonorable in a lot of ways. And it's important that we recognize what the source of that code is. And I do want to remind book readers that since there are some differences in Jamie's story between the book and the show, this podcast will only be covering the TV side of it. So statements made here may not necessarily be accurate for the book character of Jamie, but they must be made in regards to TV show Jamie. So with that, let's get into Jamie Part 2, An Honorable Man? Question mark. Prior Jamie episode, we explored what has motivated Jamie to make some of the choices that he has made. 
But in this episode, we're going to also explore the choices that he has made on their own in order to determine whether or not he is someone that we would consider honorable in this Westerosi world. And with Jamie especially, that's sometimes a difficult determination to make. I personally compare him a lot to the Hound because both have their own code that they live by, even though those codes are different from one another. Both the Hound and Jamie do not allow an outside perception of what their code should be affect the decisions that they make. Both characters have seemingly been painted in the beginning as purely evil due to their actions, and only when given further context do we see that after the onion is peeled away, layer by layer, both are much more complicated individuals than merely black or white. But not only that, both have probably always been the way that they are. We merely as viewers needed time over the seasons to see the larger picture regarding who they are. And with that, we have to look at Jamie and his relationship with Brienne because a lot of what we learn later on about Jamie is exhibited through his relationship with Brienne. It's added context to Jamie's character through actions and conversations. One thing we have to note is that Jamie has forced himself upon his sister. One would hope due to a misconstrued exhibition of his love for her, but nonetheless not proper. Yet, he doesn't seem to be all that much in favor of the idea of raping women in general at all. If you think back to Tyrion's story about Jamie having bought Tysha for him, and the result being basically Tywin allowing Tysha to be used by the Lannister guards, even if at a, quote, handsome price, it seemed to me that a Jamie who is devoted to family might have actually felt guilty for hurting his brother in this way and perhaps even for hurting Tysha herself. Now, this could be a reason why he does his best to keep Brienne from getting raped in the end, or you might even say that Jamie's feelings about rape forced him into action to defend Brienne because of her statements about rape when they were initially captured by Locke and his Bolton men. All my life I've been hearing Jamie Lannister. What a brilliant swordsman. He was slower than I expected. And more predictable. I've been sitting in a muddy pen, wrapped in chains for the past year. And I am a woman. I was still beating you. You were not beating me. Maybe you were as good as people said. Once. And maybe people just love to overpraise a famous name. When we make camp tonight, you'll be raped. More than once. None of these fellows ever been with a noble woman. You'd be wise not to resist. Would I? You'll knock your teeth out. You think I care about my teeth? No, I don't think you care about your teeth. If you fight them, they will kill you. Do you understand? I'm the prisoner of value, not you. Let them have what they want. What does it matter? What does it matter? Just close your eyes. Pretend they're Renly. If you were a woman, you wouldn't resist. You'd let them do what they wanted. If I was a woman, I'd make them kill me. I'm not thanking God. Take her over there where it's dark. Like a little privacy. You know who she is, don't you? 
been with a woman that big. She's Brienne of Tarth. Heard of Tarth? They call it the Sapphire Isle. You know why? Every sapphire in Westeros was mined on Tarth. Lord Selwyn would pay his daughter's weight in sapphires if she's returned to him. But only if she's alive. Her honor unbesmirched. Bring her back here! I know what you did for me. You told them Tarth was full of sapphires. It's called the Sapphire Isle because of the blue of its water. You knew that. Why did you help me? Whatever Jamie's true motivations for helping Brienne out might have been, he certainly didn't let her know. But we see that he did try to do the right thing, and of course, he paid a tremendous price for that, with Locke cutting off his hand. And in the wake of that, Jamie lost what he perceived was his outward identity. Not even just a cripple, but no longer the man who he thought that he had always been. He was known for his sword hand. But it was Brienne who very early on showed him that he could be more on the outside than just a sword hand. And ultimately, during the Hall time, another aspect of Jamie's code was confirmed in concrete. Not a startling revelation, just an aspect that we had seen him demonstrate before, but had come off more as bragging than what it actually was. And that aspect would be personal accountability. If you think back, he only hid his love for Cersei while Robert was alive. But after Robert had died, he did tell others about his love for Cersei. He took responsibility for his actions against Bran to some as well, even though he never allowed himself to be punished for it because it was love. The first rule of Jamie's Code, personal responsibility is always second. And so he would not allow himself to be punished for his love for Cersei. That is what you want the world to believe, isn't it? That you don't fear death. But I don't, my lady. The dark is coming for all of us. Why cry about it? Because you are going to the deepest of the seven hells if the gods are just. What gods are those? The trees your husband prayed to? Where were the trees when his head was getting chopped off? If your gods are real, and if they're just, why is the world so full of injustice? Because of men like you. There are no men like me. Only me. My son, Bran. How did he come to fall from that tower? I pushed him out the window. Why? I hoped the fall would kill him. Is that a woman? Do you hear them out there? They want your head. Old Lord Karstark doesn't seem to like me. You strangled his son with your chains. Oh, oh. Was he the one on guard duty? He was in my way. Any knight would have done the same. You are no knight. 
You have forsaken every vow you ever took. So many vows. They make you swear and swear. Defend the king, obey the king, obey your father, protect the innocent, defend the weak. And what if your father despises the king? What if the king massacres the innocent? It's too much. No matter what you do, you're forsaking one vow or another. Where did you find this beast? She is a truer knight than you will ever be. Kingslayer. Kingslayer. What a king he was. Here's to Ares Targaryen, the second of his name, lord of the seven kingdoms, protector of the realm, and to the sword I shoved in his back. You are a man without honor. Do you know, I've never been with any woman but Cersei. So in my own way, I have more honor than poor old dead Ned. What was the name of that bastard he fathered? Brienne. No, that wasn't it. Snow. Bastard from the north. Now, when, when good old Ned came home with some horse baby, did you pretend to love it? No. You're not very good at pretending. You're an honest woman. You hated that boy, didn't you? How could you not hate him? Your sword. And as far as Brienne goes, he had to return to Harrenhal not because he cared about Brienne or what happened to her, but because his lie about the sapphires to Locke that had initially saved Brienne from being raped now placed her in great peril with Locke. Unbesmirched. Not defiled. Fancy word for a fancy man. I hated to read as a child. But my father forced me to study the books every morning before I could practice with sword or horse. Four hours every day, hold up in the mace's chambers. I learned a lot of fancy words. I bet you did. You think you're the smartest man there is. And everyone alive has to bow and scrape and lick your boots. My father. And if you get in any trouble, all you've got to do is say, my father. And that's it. All your troubles are gone. Have you got something to say? Help you remember? What are you doing? I'm dying. You can't die. You need to live. To take revenge. I don't care about revenge. You coward. Your misfortune, you're giving up. Misfortune. Misfortune. You lost your hand. 
My sword hand. I was that hand. You have a taste. One taste of the real world. Where people have important things taken from them. And you whine and cry and quit. You sound like a bloody woman. Have they told you what they plan to do with me? Lord Bolton's travelling tomorrow as well. He's going to the twins for Edmund Tully's wedding. You're to remain here. With Locke. I owe you a debt. When Catelyn Stark released you, we both made a promise to her. Now it's your promise. You gave your word. Keep it and consider the debt paid. I will return the Stark girls to their mother. I swear it. Goodbye, Sir Jamie. A bird flew off and a bird flew back. Lord Selwyn Tarth offered 300 gold dragons for his daughter's safe return. Fair offer. Fair offer. Locke won't take it. Why not? He's convinced Lord Tarth owns all the sapphire mines in Westeros. He feels he's being cheated. Make fools to kill her. These men have been at war a long time. Most of them will be dead by winter. She'll be their entertainment tonight. Beyond tonight, I don't think they care very much. Any appreciation, you your father... You think you're getting a reward. Let me explain something to you. When my father sees me, the first thing he's going to ask is what happened to my hat. And I'm going to tell him, this man chopped it off. I had nothing... Or I could tell him, this man saved my life. We return to Harrenhal. Now. Stop running and fight! A wooden sword. So you've gone. You gave her a wooden sword. You've only got one bear. I'll pay her bloody ransom. Gold, sapphires, whatever you want. Just get her out of there. Oh, you lords and ladies. I still think that the only thing that matters is gold. Well, this makes me happier than all your gold ever could. And that makes me happier than all her sapphires. We're taking it to King's Landing. Unless you kill me. She belongs to me. Lord Bolton's orders. What do you think is more important to Lord Bolton? Getting his pet rat a reward or ensuring Tywin Lannister gets his son back alive? Once Brienne had delivered Jamie to King's Landing, it was she, of course, who had to remind him of some of the promises that he had made to her and to Catelyn just a short time before. And he did follow through with the promises best that he could, giving his own Valyrian steel sword 
to Brienne to find the Stark girls. There she is. Yes, there she is. And? You made a promise. To return the Stark girls to their mother, who is now dead. To keep them safe. Well, Arya Stark hasn't been seen since her father was killed. What do you think she is? My money's undead. There's a certain safety in death, wouldn't you say? And Sansa Stark is now Sansa Lannister. It's a complication. Complication does not release you from a vow. What do you want me to do? Kidnap my sister-in-law and, and take her where? Where will she be safer than here? Look me in the eye and tell me that you think she'll be safe in King's Landing. Are you sure we're not related? Ever since I returned, every Lannister I've seen has been a miserable pain in my ass. Maybe you're a Lannister too. You've got the hair for it, not the looks. Sir Jamie Lannister, knighted and named to the Kingsguard in his 16th year. At the sack of King's Landing, murdered his king, Ares II, pardoned by Robert Baratheon. Thereafter known as the Kingslayer. It's the duty of the Lord Commander to fill those pages. And there's still room left on mine. Valyrian steel. Hmm. It's yours. I can't accept. It's reforged from Ned Stark's sword. You'll use it to defend Ned Stark's daughter. He swore an oath to return the Stark girls to their mother. Lady Stark's dead. Maya's probably dead too, but there's still a chance to find Sansa and get her somewhere safe. I've got something else for you. I hope I got your measurements right. I'll find her. For Lady Catelyn. And for you. I don't need a squire. Of course you do. He'll slow me down. My brother owes him a debt. He's not safe here. You'll be keeping him from harm. The chivalry. I won't slow you down, sir. Milady, I, I promise I'll serve you well. See? He's a good lad. He'll get along. What are you waiting for? A kiss? Ready the lady's horse. They say the best souls of names. Any ideas? Oathkeeper. But before we look any further into Jamie's relationship or his personal accountability, as far as Brienne goes, remember that Jamie's first rule of his code is the things we do for love. And so to those who ship Jamie and Brienne, I have to remind you of the fact that on several occasions, Jamie did betray Brienne, and not just before he lost his hand. He was more than willing to kill her initially in order to get back to Cersei. And once he had figured out that the Boltons had turned for the Lannisters, he was initially ready to leave her behind until he learned about the consequences for her as a result of his sapphire lie. 
Brienne simply just didn't matter. It's a tough decision. Take the bridge and risk being seen across the Great Water. Silence, Kingslayer. Now, anyone could see us on the bridge, but across by water, and the current could take us, or I could escape down the river. Good luck. It's wonderful to watch you wrestle with these dilemmas. Which will she choose? Damn blood heart. Wouldn't have guessed. Be quick about it. Oh, I need to rest. Get up. Now these you're on your feet when you walk too far. What do you call it? Up now. Corns. I never used to get corns. Of course I used to ride everywhere. Of march around like a common foot soldier, wearing the same boots for over a year. This this heel's ruined. There's no way. Never understood why some knights felt the need to carry two swords. before you lunch. Gives away the game. Bit of a quandary for you. If you kill me, you fail Lady Stark. But if you don't kill me, I'm going to kill you. Like your woman's getting the better of you. If you can call that a woman. Oh, we enjoy a good fight. Gets our juices flowing. Flayed man of House Bolton. Bit gruesome for my taste. You sorry, Sir One? That's him, all right. I saw him fight at the tourney for Sir Willem Frey's wedding. Give the man his silver. Let us go. My father will pay you whatever you want. Enough to buy me a new head. If the king in the north hears I had the Kingslayer and let him go, he'd be taking it right off. I'd rather he takes yours. 
I should send you back to Rob Stark. You should. But instead, you're sitting here, watching me fail at dinner. Why might that be? Wars cost money. Many people would pay a great deal for you. We both know who would pay the most. I'll make you pay the most. If you found out you'd captured me and send me back up north for a summer execution. You're right. Perhaps the safest thing to do is to kill you both and burn your bodies. It would be. If you honestly believe, my father would never find out about it. King Rob is keeping your father quite busy. He doesn't have time for anything else. He'll make time for you. As soon as you're well enough to travel, I will allow you to go to King's Landing as restitution for the mistakes my soldiers made. And you will swear to tell your father the truth, that I had nothing to do with your maiming. Very well. My lady, may our journey continue without further incident. Oh, she won't be going with you. I am charged with bringing Sir Jamie to... You are charged with abetting treason. I'm afraid I must insist. You're in no place to insist on anything. I would have hoped you'd learned your lesson about overplaying your... position. Tyburn hopes your father will force the Citadel to give him back his chain. My father will make him Grand Mace if he grows me a new hat. You will give my regards to Lord Tywin, I trust. Tell Rob Stark I'm sorry I couldn't make his uncle's wedding. The Lannisters send her regards. Safe journey, Kingslayer. Nothing to say. Like you better before. I don't remember chopping your balls off, too. Don't you worry about your friend. We'll take good care of her. Let's not also forget that he was ready to fight Brienne, if need be, at Riverrun, even though he would have preferred not to, of course. If that meant getting back to Cersei in a timely order, there's no doubt that he would have fought her, if need be. I never thought you'd find her. I just assumed Sansa was dead. Why would you assume that? In my experience, girls like her don't live very long. I don't think you know many girls like her. Well, I'm proud of you. I am. You fulfilled your oath to Catelyn Stark against all odds. Of course, my sister wants Sansa dead. The girl's still a suspect in Joffrey's murder, so there is that complication. What the hell are you doing here? I've come for the Blackfish. You're welcome to have him. Lady Sansa desires to take her ancestral seat back from the Boltons and assume her rightful position as Lady of Winterfell. With what army does she plan on taking Winterfell? The Tully army. They're a bit occupied at the moment. I was sent here to reclaim River Run, currently defended by the Tully rebels, so you can see the conundrum. The Tullys are rebels because they're fighting for their home. River Run was granted to the phrase by royal decree. As a reward for betraying Rob Stark and slaughtering his family. Exactly. shouldn't argue about politics. You're a knight, Sir Jamie. I know there is honor in you. I've seen it myself. I'm a Lannister. Don't ask me to betray my own house. I do no such thing. Take River Run without bloodshed. Ride south again with your mission complete and your army intact. 
What do you propose? Allow me to enter Riveron under a flag of truce. Let me try to persuade the Blackfish to give up the castle. Why would he abandon his ancestral home? Because you'll allow him to lead the Tully forces safely north. Have you ever met the Blackfish? No. He's even more stubborn than you are. All right. Try to talk some sense into the old goat. He won't listen, but his men might. Not everybody wants to die for someone else's home. I need your word. If I persuade him to abandon the castle, you'll grant us safe passage north. You have my word. You have until nightfall. You gave it to me for a purpose. I have achieved that purpose. It's yours. It will always be yours. One last thing, Sir Jamie. Yes, Lady Brienne. Should I fail to persuade the Blackfish to surrender? And if you attack the castle, honor compels me to fight for Sansa's kin. Of course it does. To fight you. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. But there's another part of the personal accountability within that clip as well. As you heard, Jamie refused to take his Valyrian steel sword back. Now, is that an indication of his feelings for Brienne, or is it just the practical side of him saying that taking the sword back would seem a waste since he would never be able to wield it in the way he could the days before when he had a proper sword hand? And speaking of which, Jamie does have an ally in Bronn who has been helping him to learn how to fight, albeit a reluctant one. Bronn, while never really one to have any allegiance to anything except to money or power, has continually come to Jamie's aid due to the promise of just that. And Jamie doesn't seem to care what Bronn's motivations are, so long as Bronn serves his purpose, which is usually in service of those things that Jamie cares about. My brother tells me you could keep your mouth shut. Unusual talent for a sellsword. Is this place safe? There's this knight, uh, Laygood. Got thunderbolts on his shield? Mm. Right here is where after his wife. She's a screamer, that one. If they don't hear her, they won't hear us. I've never seen Valerian steel before. She's a beauty. Problem is, if you fight with an edge blade, I'll have to. And if I fight with an edge blade, I'll have no one left to pay me. I haven't used a sparring sword since I was nine. Mm-hmm. Ah! Old warrior, you are attacking a man when his guard's down. First time to attack a man. <laughs> what the hell is that? 
That was me knocking your ass to the dirt with your own hand. You're a rare talent. And you're fighting cripples, anyway. You learned to fight like a good little boy. I bet that thrust through the Mad King's back was pretty as a picture. You want to fight pretty or you want to win? You talk to my brother this way. All the time. He got used to it. When were you planning on getting married? Just get on with it. On with what? What you're here for. There's no way this little visit could possibly mean anything good for me. It's very good for you. Lollis will be marrying Sir Willis Bracken. Hmm. We made a deal, your sister and I. I would have advised against that. How is this good for me? Because you're going to come with me and help me with something important. And when we return, I'm going to give you a much better girl and a much better castle. Return from where? As far south as south goes. Why are we on a merchant ship? Why no Lannister sails? This ship's sailing to Old Town. We'll get up earlier, not far from Sunsmere. Row ourselves to the Dornish shore in the night. You ever been to Dawn? No. I have. Now, we're going to be doing a lot of fighting, I'm sure. Well, I am. But I don't imagine we'll get to stick around for the rest. Not after we've kidnapped their princess. We're not kidnapping their princess. We're rescuing my niece, bringing her back to her family. Your niece? I've been doing this sort of thing a long time. I'm good at it. That's why you're here. I know. Why are you here? Why not send 40 of me? Or an army. Unlike most folks, you've actually got one. Because I don't want to start a war. That still doesn't explain what you're doing here. Aye. But your lot have to give the singers a good ending. I don't care what's sung about me when I'm dead. No? Two knights off to rescue a princess. Sounds like a good song to me. Sounds like all the rest. What about you? In my own keep, drinking my own wine, watching the sons grovel for my fortune. How disappointing. I thought you'd have something more exciting planned. I've had an exciting life. I want my death to be boring. How do you want to go? In the arms of the woman I love. She want the same thing. What was he? Bravosi? Pentoshi. And he's headed to Old Town. As I said. Why? What's to stop him from docking down the coast and telling the locals that Jamie Lannister's in Dawn? A bag of gold. I'm not sure you understand how much people hate your family in this part of the world. It was a heavy bag. And I bet he swore all kinds of oaths to get it. But you won't be around if he breaks them. Always wanted a Dornish stallion. Beasts can run a day and night without tiring. We'll ride to the water gardens with a nice breeze in our face. First, we need to bury these bodies. Birds have to eat, too. Corpses raise questions, questions raise armies. We're not here to start a war. Do you know how long it'll take us to dig all those holes? I can't dig very well with one hand. Not at all, really. That's the water gardens. Once we've got the princess, then what? I like to improvise. That explains the golden hand. Oh, no. 
Not me. I'm just an opjunct sellsword. You're an annoyance of knights. That's quite a difference. Aye, knights don't get paid. You have better instincts than any officer in the Lannister army. I expect to command all the Lannister forces before long. You can be the right hand I lost. You promise me a lordship and a castle and a highborn beauty for a wife. And you'll get all three. A Lannister always Don't pays... say it. Many have pointed out that the pairing of Bronn and Jamie was a great television convention in order to bring two fairly well-liked characters together. But I do feel that a deeper examination exposes a character trait of Jamie's that is yet again hammered home as it has been many times in this story. Jamie will tolerate anything or do anything in order to protect or get back to the people that he loves. But despite his disabilities to fight, as well as he used to, one of the more important aspects of Jamie to date may be the experience that he's gained since losing his hand. The storyline in Dorne clearly demonstrates his lack of fighting abilities, and yet through what happens in Dorne, he becomes more knowledgeable about the tactics of deception during diplomacy, as demonstrated by the Sand Snakes. A lesson that, of course, ultimately costs him dearly with the loss of his daughter, Marcella. And back in King's Landing, he learns more about the perils of politics through dealing with the High Sparrow, which, of course, causes him to lose his position in the Kingsguard. What are you doing in Dorne? Looking after the safety of my niece, the Princess Marcella. And rather than send a raven or speak to me directly... You decided to enter my country in secret and abduct our guest by force. We received a threatening message. The princess's necklace in the jaws of a viper. That necklace was stolen from my room. The last meal before the beheading. Oh, I can't behead you. Many in Dorne want war. But I've seen war. I've seen the bodies piled on the battlefields. I've seen the orphans starving in the cities. I don't want to lead my people into that hell. No, you want to break bread with the Lannisters. And that is precisely what we are doing. Let us drink to Tommen, the first of his name, king of the Andals and the first men, lord of the Seven Kingdoms. King Tommen insists on his sister's return to the capital. I'm afraid he does. I cannot disobey my king's command. She will return with you to King's Landing. And my son, Prince Tristane, will accompany you both. If the alliance between the Iron Throne and Dawn is to continue, their engagement must stand. I accept. One more thing. My brother was named to the small council before his death. Your father understood the importance of keeping Dorne in the fold. With Oberyn gone, Tristane will take his place on the small council. You have my word. The word of a king's slayer. No wonder you can't stand. You have no spine. You are mother to four of my nieces, girls I love very much. For their sake, I hope you live a long and happy life. Speak to me that way again, and you won't. May I inquire as to the fate of my man, Bronn? Tell me, Sir Jamie, in King's Landing, how do they punish a commoner who strikes a prince? You said it was just a flea bite. The fault is mine. Bronn is merely a soldier following my orders. If anyone should be punished, it's me. Prince Tristain must learn judgment if he's to rule one day. I'll let him decide. I have learned the value of mercy from my father. I'll set your man free. 
You're a good man. On one condition. Prince Duran, Sopran of the Blackwater. I didn't realize there were knights of the Blackwater. Only the one. I believe you've already met Prince Tristane. Prince? Sorry about the other day. Prince Tristane here is a man of mercy. He's agreed to grant you your freedom. I'm glad to hear it. Pie looks good. There was one condition. Perhaps some soup instead. The small council meeting has been postponed on the king's orders. I would have thought we were perfectly clear the first time. You're not welcome. You once spoke of your respect for our father because he understood the necessity of working with one's rivals. My dear, you have been stripped of your dignity and authority, publicly shamed and confined to the Red Keep. <laughs> What's left to work with? Cersei is the mother of the king. She has the king's ear distrust and the king has been speaking regularly with the high sparrow about queen marjorie and sir Loras. the high sparrow seized power knowing full well we bicker amongst ourselves instead of seizing it back here we are well done to us now the future of the seven kingdoms rests in his dirty peasant hands in a few days he'll have a trial for me but before that queen marjorie will make her walk of atonement yes Marjorie will repent her sins before the good people of the city. Oh, no. That cannot happen. That will not happen. I agree. You've got the second largest army in Westeros. You'll bring them into the city, stop Queen Marjorie's humiliation before it starts, and take her back into Crown custody. The king has ordered me to take no action against the High Sparrow or the Faith Militant out of fear for the queen's safety. You will take no action at all. When the Tyrell armies come, you will stand down. Were you expressly forbidden from standing down? No. But if the king should call on The whole on thing me... will be over before anyone can call on you to do anything. When the High Sparrow is in custody, or dead preferably, and Marjorie is back at Tommen's side, do you think the king will be angry at the outcome? You hate these fanatics as much as we do. You hate what they've done to your son. Do you want Lancel back? Or have you given him up for good? Of course I want him back. Then stand aside and let the people that took him from you be destroyed. If it doesn't go as planned, the Sparrows have many friends in this city. We'll have civil war. Many will die. Many will die no matter what we do. Better them than us. Marjorie of House Tyrell came to us a sinner. She stood before the gods in the Holy Sept and lied. She turned a blind eye to her brother's sins. She disgraced her house, her king, and herself. Sir Jamie. Sorry to interrupt. We're here for Queen Marjorie and Sir Loras Tyrell. Give them to us and we'll be on our way. I don't have the authority to give them to you. And you don't have the authority to take them. That's right, that's right. Look, spear! 
speak for King Tommen of House Baratheon, first of his name. The gods don't recognize his authority in this matter. You've already insulted one great house. It won't happen twice. Every last sparrow will die before Marjorie Tyrell walks down that street. To die in the service of the gods would please each and every one of us. We yearn for it. But there is no call for it today. There will be no walk of atonement. Queen Marjorie has already atoned for her sins by bringing another into the true light of the Seven. of harmony, a holy alliance between the crown and the faith. The crown and the faith are the twin pillars upon which the world rests. Together, we will restore the Seven Kingdoms to glory. Both of those encounters are seasoning and training. Jamie comes out on the losing side, but he takes those lessons with him into River Run in order to secure a firm victory there. So Jamie, we didn't know you were coming because you didn't set a proper perimeter. You just allowed 8,000 men to approach unchallenged. Have Lord Edmure bathed and fed. Whoa, whoa. Will do. Edmure is a prisoner of House Frey. Only a fool makes threats he's not prepared to carry out. Now let's say I threatened to hit you unless you shut your mouth, but you kept talking. What do you think I'd do? I don't give a rap. I'm here by the King's command to take back this castle. Have him bathed and fed, unless you'd like to take his place. Apologies for Jamie. Do as he says. The siege is now under my command. The next time the Blackfish looks out from those ramparts, you'll see an army at its gates, not whatever this is. Have your lads start digging perimeter trenches, set pickets every hundred yards, and work double time on those siege towers and trebuchets. Those are our siege towers. As I said, the siege is under my command. If that's not to your liking, go home. Kingslayer. Blackfish. 
I assume you're here to fulfill the vow you gave my niece. I don't see Sansa and Aya. I don't have them. Pity. Do you wish to resume your captivity? Then why are you here? You know why I'm here. This castle belongs to House Frey. You're trespassing. In the name of King Tommen, I order you to surrender. Or, or you'll kill Edmure. My nephew's marked for death no matter what. Hang him and be done with it. You won't stop with Edmure. You'll force me to storm the castle. Hundreds will die. Hundreds of mine. Thousands of yours. If you can breach the walls. We'll breach them. And kill every last one of you. But if you surrender, I'll spare the lives of your men. On my honor. Your honor. Bargaining with oathbreakers is like building on quicksand. The war is over, sir. Why sacrifice living men to a lost cause? As long as I'm standing, the war is not over. This is my home. I was born in this castle, and I'm ready to die in it. So you can either attack or try to starve us out. We have enough provisions for two years. Do you have two years, Kingslayer? You clearly have no intention of saving your men's lives. Why did you come treat with me? Sieges are dull. And I wanted to see you in person, get the measure of you. Well, now you have. I now I have. I'm disappointed. Lord Edmure. I apologize for the way the phrase treated you. A man of your birth deserves better. Of my word, you'll be properly fed and clothed from now. I have your word. Oh, good. Good, that's... That's a fine thing. My uncle will never surrender the castle, sir. Whatever game you're playing. The Blackfish is an old man. A good death is all he can hope for. But you... You have a child now, I've heard. A son you sired on your wedding night. You're a potent man. A son I've never met. Born of a wife. And I haven't seen since our first night together. You should be with them both. I can arrange that, you realize. Comfortable rooms for your castle, you rock. A tutor for your boy. Knights to train him to fight and to ride. And when he comes of age, he'll have a keep of his own. You imagine yourself a decent person. Is that it? After you've, you've massacred my family. Kept me in a cell for years. Stolen our lands. I'll remind you that our houses are at war. I'm sorry if this conflict has inconvenienced you, but rebelling against the crown does have consequences. Because the man who shoved his sword through his king's back. Did I give you the impression that this was a negotiation? It's not. You understand, on some level, you understand. You're an evil man. I'll leave the judgments to the gods. Oh, that is convenient for you. You're a fine-looking fellow, aren't you? <laughs> mm. Your square jaw, your golden armor. 
Tell me. I want to know, I truly do. How do you live with yourself? All of us have to believe that we're decent. Don't we? You have to sleep at night. How do you tell yourself that you're decent after everything that you've done? I was your sister's prisoner once. She hit me on the head with a rock, if I remember correctly. <laughs> she should have killed you. Perhaps, but she didn't. Catelyn Stark hated me, just like you hate me. I didn't hate her. I admired her. Far more than a husband or a son. You think I care whom you admire and No, I don't, but I'm telling you anyway, because you're my prisoner and you don't have a choice. The love she had for her children, I was a little awed by it. Reminded me of my sister. Oh. No, I see. You're a madman. I'm not here to trade insults. Your sister was a strong... Don't talk about Cat. I'll talk about whomever I want. She loved her children. I suppose all mothers do, but Catelyn and Cersei, there's a fierceness you don't often see. They'd do anything to protect their babies. Start a war, burn cities to ash, free their worst enemies. The things we do for love. You didn't come here to talk about our sisters. That's exactly why I came here. I love Cersei. You can laugh at that if you want. You can sneer, it doesn't matter. She needs me. And to get back to her, I have to take River Run. I'll send for your baby boy. <laughs> and I'll launch him into River Run with a catapult. Because you don't matter to me, Lord Edmure. Your son doesn't matter to me. The people in the castle don't matter to me. Only Cersei. And if I have to slaughter every Tully who ever lived to get back to her, that's what I'll do. So essentially the bottom line becomes this. Jamie's personal code can't be really judged as good or bad. He is merely a man who has honed abilities beyond being a good swordsman, but will use those abilities to again service his love of specific people. It's a code that's actually remained true since the beginning, whether he was holding a sword or not, even if we've had to wait several seasons to see it fully fleshed out. The question becomes... Is there room for change for Jamie? Can he change his mind about who he truly loves in the future? Will he continue to serve his queen faithfully despite what she might do? Or could he turn on her? Is he capable of that? If Brienne were to ask for help in the North in fighting a great war with the White Walkers, would Jamie respond? Or will he merely defend his queen and lover close to home? These are the kinds of questions and answers that await us in future seasons, and we'll just have to see how that works out. But as long as Jamie follows his two codes of the things you do for love 
and personal accountability, things aren't likely to change too much for Jamie in this podcaster's opinion. Thanks again so much for listening to Podcast Winterfell. Uh, Our TV character series has been very popular with our listeners. I I really have fun doing these. We have our 300th numbered episode. It's kind of a special call-in episode for you next week. And then we're going to turn back to the books for a couple of episodes, or at least one episode, of the Grand Northern Conspiracy before we go on break for the holiday. So if you're a TV-only listener, you still have episode 300 to listen to uh, but 301 and beyond up until the christmas break will be all a song of ice and fire but i do thank you for your time please leave me written reviews on itunes or stitcher or whatever podcast app you use they're very much appreciated remember you can always contact the podcast with any feedback and axel foley from the small council podcast is here to tell you about it right now You've been listening to Podcast Winterfell. Find the podcast blog at podcastwinterfell.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter, twitter.com slash winterfellpod. Contact the podcast either by email, podcastwinterfell at gmail.com, or by calling the listener line, 314-669-1840.